Welcome to this gift podcast, weekly conversations on global travel trend lines. Hostels have traditionally been a cheap, bare bones option for backpackers and college kids exploring on a tight budget. They have not historically been known for their hipness or creativity. But in recent years, some companies have pioneered hostels with a focus on design, local influence, and the kind of social buzz that attracts even non-guests. On this episode of this gift podcast, we're talking about how hostels have evolved, what's next for the sector, and whether they might finally break through in the U.S. Our guest today is Frederick Corrales, the CEO of Generator Hostels, which describes itself as design-led hostels. The London-based company will have 13 properties around Europe by the middle of 2017 and plans to add its first U.S. site in Miami Beach next year. Frederick joins Skift senior editor Greg Oates and me, editor and podcast host Hannah Sampson. Frederick, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Can you give us a little history on how this kind of concept came around um, and how Generator has been able to make it work over the years? Sure. Um, Generator actually originated over 20 years ago in London with the first site. Uh, it was actually an old police barracks <laughs> in a pretty cool part of London that uh, became a, a hostel. I would say at that time a traditional hostel. And by traditional, I mean more what you think about when you hear the word hostel. So you're thinking a huge volume of young people in shared accommodation, not necessarily known for uh, hygiene or for uh, activities. Uh, very cheap, uh, probably pretty dingy experience. So meet one of our hurdles in life, right? Talking about hostels and what they are. And over the years, since the original acquisition, eight years ago by Patreon Capital, who's a major shareholder, uh, they acquired the then London generator, as well as one in Berlin, and decided to take this traditional uh, sector of hospitality and transform it into a lifestyle brand. And they did this by investing significantly into the assets uh, with a very, very strong focus on design. So each generator is bespoke in nature. Uh, I use the term extreme design because it is more than just, uh, lifestyle is not about design. As a matter of fact, lifestyle is quite misunderstood, Uh, but it's about extreme design and then activation of uh, experiences. Everything ranging from food, to drink, to music, to lighting, to talks, to events, to art, to fashion, you name it, that brings our venues to life in a very sociable, engaging way. Just a quick follow-up, because extreme design sounds to me like a program you would see on TV with like people going nuts. What do you mean by that? Like, uh, What I mean by that is that it's, uh, we actually use uh, the design agency out of Toronto, and Anwar, who's the principal there, has been working with Generator for eight years and actually has been involved in every one. And by extreme, I mean, it's a, it's a very strong connection with local. So uh, besides um, the architecture uh, and the fit out and the FF&E, there is a focus on bringing in lotus, local artists uh, of all nature. So that could be graffiti artists or mural painters, uh, sculptors, uh, who basically come in and bring a, a very, very strong local focus. So you will not find any common element across different generators. They all take on that very extreme local focus. 
So let's look at the big picture that's happening here in travel, especially hospitality. So I, when I think back 15 years ago when I started traveling, I could go to London, Paris, and pay for a hotel. You could get a hotel in Paris for $100, $120 a night, or whatever that would be in euros. You can't do that anymore. You can't come to New York in the summer for a lot of people and afford to buy a hotel anymore. So that's the, why you know Airbnb is expanded so exponentially. So now when I go to Europe, I look for generators. And last time I wanted to stay in London, I stayed at the generator there. So my question is, it seems like there's a whole new market now for people that might not have stayed at a hostel before, um, but now they're starting to look at generator and specifically the single rooms. Are you seeing that, that new customer? Our core remains shared accommodation. So about 70% of our bed inventory is shared. And that shared could be staying with strangers or staying with people you know. Uh, and then about 30% is private. And we vary that by market. So if you go to London, by the way, thanks for staying with us yes. in London. We like that. Uh, in London, it's about 95% of the rooms that are shared accommodation versus Stockholm, where we just opened, where it's about 60% that's shared versus Miami when we open, which will be about 50-50. And we will flex that based on our uh, understanding of the markets, uh, our uh, interpretation and analysis of the acceptance of the notion of shared accommodation. And um, so we can then also flex it up more. Um, so as an example, when we do open in Miami, I envision over time that we'll introduce more shared accommodation. I actually believe that the notion of uh, that lifestyle experience is going to take off very well in the U.S., but we're start, starting slightly cautiously in, in Miami. Uh, the other very interesting point you made is about accessibility and about affordability. And for us, it's really, really critical to offer this accessible accommodation and experience. So whereas we may sell beds, and we generally talk in euros, but an average of uh, about 35 euros for a bed, uh, there's an average of four people per room. So we get a fairly interesting average rate nevertheless, but we're very accessible. And we offer this uh, lifestyle experience that nobody in the hotel sector is currently offering other than a very few select group of true lifestyle brands. So in London, now that you remind me, it wasn't a single unit, it was a two bed unit, and I just bought the whole space. Right. But it was still less than, you know, a hotel room anywhere in the area or, or anywhere that would be comparable in terms of just the overall experience. So I, I think it still came to something like 120 euros, which for London is great. It's good, a good deal. And uh, we actually give you another parallel. We opened in Amsterdam this March, uh, a, a city with huge demand, uh, tremendous innovation in uh, hospitality with new brands coming in. Yeah, for example, Hoxton, that's just doing a phenomenal job there in the W. Uh, and we entered the market in uh, March, and we are running over 90% since the day we opened. We're selling beds at around 36 euros per bed. And during peak dates, we actually achieve over 100 for a bed in shared accommodation, which I'm actually not that excited about, because I want us to keep the accessibility and affordability as part of our ethos. Um, we're selling private rooms here at over 300 euros a night. And these are rooms with bed, and private ensuite accommodation. That's it. There's no minibar, there's no safe, uh, there's a minimal closet space. So basically people are coming for the experience. Some of the focuses that you talk about, local design, I feel like those are becoming a little more common in, in mass market hotels. 
you know, you have chains like Aloft and they talk about, oh, we have local, you know, culinary and, and local design and, and all of that. So what kind of evolution have you seen in the time that Generator has been pioneering this space for hostels? What kind of evolution have you seen um, in the in the broader hospitality space? Um, and how do you then continue to differentiate your product? Yeah, I, I think that design uh, is becoming mainstream. I, I think that uh, major hospitality brands refer to lifestyle as a fantastic building with great design, maybe a good restaurant and a bar. Um, for us, that's only the very beginning, uh, the true lifestyle experience. And I actually still say that we aspire to be a lifestyle brand. Uh, I will not label ourselves as a lifestyle brand, but we uh, must focus on great food, great drink, the whole notion of shareability, uh, great music that is curated for the time, the moment, the people, uh, lighting, uh, furniture placement, uh, great DJs and events, huge activation with, uh, uh, you know, this generation of travelers, our median age is about 22, 21. So uh, it's no longer that sort of very young student traveler. It's now grown up into the sort of lower end of the millennial spectrum. Uh, but they're looking for they're looking for uh, stimulation and for experiences and for meeting people. And what's critical for us uh, is also that our bars and restaurants are actually uh, designed to serve the local community. They're not amenities for our guests. If our guests get in, we're lucky and they're lucky. We really must bring in the local community because our traveler is looking for local engagement. So you're seeing that a lot where the, the locals are coming into the F&B outlets and engaging with the guests. They're coming in and making it their own. And our guests just happen to be there. And, uh, you know, contrary to most of my career has been in hotels where you build great buildings and great hotels and you have restaurants and bars as amenities to the guest. And in general, it struggles. Uh, by us focusing on uh, building these establishments for the local community, we become much more relevant in the market. And when you say the experience, what exactly do you mean by that? And from my, from my experience, it seemed like the experience was really about having so many different spaces in the property, uh, morning, noon, night, that would evolve as the day progressed, and you could really find your space. There might be tiered seating here where you could be all together, or there's places to be quiet. I mean, that's the built-in um, narrative of the entire design experience at Generator, right? It is, and our spaces transform. You know, in, in London, we can have a, up to 900 people in the building on any given day, so breakfast tends to be rather busy, right? And then uh, it extends because, again, our guests are there experiencing the city and they're out till late. The least important part of the experience with us is the bed. I mean, they come to sleep but they don't hang out in their rooms because there's not a lot to do in the rooms. Uh, and then they get in and they want to co they want to mingle. They want to socialize. They want to meet. They want to uh, experience uh, local flavors and get to know different cultures and make new friends. Uh, so it's definitely a very extrovert society. Um, and uh, so our spaces will transform from breakfast and then basically all-day dining, all-day chill-out space, all-day uh, wireless access, of course. Everyone is on their device doing whatever they do and when they do it. And we really let 
the our guests and our local community steer the way the day goes. Obviously, we transition into a lunch and all-day dining experience, and then in the afternoon, the bars activate. In the evening, the music activates, uh, and then the clubs activate, and it just rolls on. You use the word shareability, and um, the sharing economy is obviously something that um, has been a threat to hotels. How much do you see the Airbnbs of the world as being a, a direct competitor to generator hostels um, or even, you know, do you coexist peacefully, I guess? The latter. We don't consider them a threat. Uh, I have huge respect for what they do, but I also understand how the traditional hotel model could be threatened by Airbnb. Um, we uh, our, with, a, with a social engaged experience, that's not Airbnb. Airbnb is individualistic. You buy a fabulous space, an apartment, a house, a palace. Uh, and the only thing that's shared is the fact that you're in the shared economy of people renting out their spaces. Whereas with us, uh, you're commingling with thousands of people. And that's not what Airbnb offered today. Who knows? They may evolve their model and, uh, and enter our space. But today, no. I actually view them as a potential partner even in spaces. Interesting. How how would you see that working? I could imagine that we may have uh, we may be able to share sell some of our product across their uh, channels. Okay, I want to go back to that first question though again about an evolving consumer profile, namely an older consumer. And you said the average age was twenty one, twenty two around there. But what about the forty five year old traveler who doesn't want to spend much money on a hotel or any kind of accommodations? Because every dollar you spend for a bed is one less dollar you can spend in the destination. So you're not seeing more growth, you know, at the higher end agent? We definitely are. Um, I call our, our guest the seeker. These are people who are seeking experiences. And there's no issue of gender or age. It's more of a mindset. And uh, for sure, we have a lot of empty nesters. Uh, we have individuals who travel, uh, who traveling the world in a very cost-effective way. You know, they might stay with us and go out to a three Michelin star restaurant while they're staying with us and blow 500 pounds on a meal, but have, you know, 50 pounds on a bed. And uh, these are just smart, savvy people who consider the accommodation side to be the least important part of their journey. And... Um, and they also thrive. We we also do. We get we get we don't pursue business travelers as such, but we get business travelers who seek out the experience and obviously the affordability. Uh, and as long as they fit in, I mean, everyone is welcome. Uh, people sort of tend to uh, select in or out of a hostile, shared economy type experience. You need to be very sociable. What what is your most effective way for seeking out your your target market? Do you, are you like advertising or what kind of marketing are you doing to connect with? It's, it's, uh, it's a really, really good question. And I would say that almost everything about Generator and almost everything about the hostel world is different from my past experiences in hotels. We, we don't pursue any traditional channels of marketing. I sat through a marketing presentation by our marketing team two weeks ago. And after two hours, they said, every image, every word you've seen, is generated by our guest. And it was phenomenal photography. It was phenomenal material. And nothing beats it. And again, if you come back to the importance of design and experience, 
that's what people want to share. And these Instagram moments are everywhere, or now Snapchat moments, which obviously are much more personal in nature of how they share it. But um, we're all over social media. I've, I've never seen anything like it. So in terms of generating content, you have a lot of programming, fashion shows, musicians, artists come in. Just, you know, how, how important is that to attracting cons consumers? How important is it in driving content? And you have your, your blog also. Just, you know, how important is that in uh, driving, say, direct sales? It's very important. Uh, obviously, for a long time now, with the digital age, images are king, right? Now it's gone from image to video. Video content is very, very important. Um, we have our uh, content platform we call Parallel, which we actually have co-developed with Vice as a news agency. They have their own internal agency called Virtue. And uh, it, again, it is very, very, it's probably one of the most robust content platforms in the industry. And what it focuses on are unusual events and activities in the destination. So sure, will our guests go and see the London Eye or the Eiffel Tower? They will, but they're more likely to seek out a unique music event uh, and uh, something unique in fashion, art, the tasting of a local beer. These are the things they're looking for. And uh, that's what we feature on our content platform. Um, the user-generated content is more out into social media. Some of it will get embraced by our platform because we encourage them to, to engage. But we also encourage our employees to engage. And, you know, we talk a lot about the notion of the secret city because our people are like our guests. They're a very similar demographic. Oftentimes they become friends and they'll share their favorite coffee shop or their favorite cycling tour or their favorite jogging tour in London uh, or the best place to see a sunset or a sunrise. Our guests love that, you know. Gone are the days, or certainly not within hostels, of having a concierge. Here are people who share their passion, and that's what our guests are looking for. You talked about getting uh, really high room rates, but not loving the fact that the rates would be pushed up so high. So how how do you maintain the standards of um, the different properties and keep the rates low? And then, similar note, um, as you keep expanding, are you seeking out some of those benefits of scale, um, but also trying to hold on to the unique individualized approach? Like how do those two things coexist? That's like a three-part question. It is. So you have to remind me if I forget a <laughs> no part problem. of it. But I think on the pricing point, um, uh, I think being accessible and affordable is a core fundamental of the, host the legacy of hostels. Um, you know, hostels started out for people who were not well off and for pilgrims, and some of them still are if you go to some parts of the world. So the notion of being accessible is very, very important to us. That said, we're very much market driven. So our pricing, you know, we will work with yield management like our industry will. Um, but it's, as I say to our team, it, we, you're not going to be a hero for charging that one better extreme price. It's more about getting a better average bed rate across the system uh, that matters to us. And our customers, in general, in a market, we're probably two or three times more expensive than other hostels. But that's because of what we offer in experience, whereas they don't. Um, 
in some markets, there are others that are more expensive than us. But in general, we, we tend to lead from a price perspective. Um, as far as the standards, again, you're dealing with uh, large volumes of people. So hygiene and safety are paramount. Uh, we take those very, very seriously. We have a younger demographic. So uh, we take uh, the security aspects and the hygiene factors very, very seriously. And uh, with that number of young people in the building, you just need to have, be extra cautious. Uh, and again, cleanliness, and also with that volume of people, wear and tear is high. So our repairs and maintenance programs, our reinvestment in, uh, you know, the furniture and fixtures is at an accelerated rate in public areas versus the bedrooms where actually wear and tear is very minimal because there's not a lot to wear out. Um, and uh, as far as service is concerned, again, it's, um, as I mentioned earlier, our guests and employees are very similar. So it's almost like hanging out with friends, even though they have a role of being the professional and providing and selling and uh, maintaining and securing. Uh, it's very much hanging out with friends. Um, and then the second and third parts of that question were, as you're expanding, um, are you seeking out some benefits of that scale? But as you're doing that, how are you also maintaining the individuality um, and uniqueness for each property. Sure. Well, today we operate in nine countries, so there's not a lot of sort of clustered synergy. Uh, you know, in Germany, we have three units and in Italy now, after we open Rome, we'll have two. So there's some synergies in certain functionalities in the business, but we do really treat each unit as a individual asset uh, and operation. And we have very strong leadership who are able to manage their destiny. You know, when we open Miami, we're going to be eight hours away in London. So whoever becomes the general manager needs to be very strong and self-sufficient, but of course, operate within the context of our standards, our values, our ethos. So that's one question we had about bringing generator to the U.S. Because it seems like there should be 50 of them right now across, across the country, There's, because the demand is there. But are there certain, you know, bylaws or legalities um, specific issues that you've come across so far in U.S. cities that make it more challenging to build hostels, multi-unit properties? Uh, one is that the industry and the financial community don't recognize hostels yet as an asset class. So um, this is generally global. As a matter of fact, we've just partnered with HVS and, uh, and STR to start doing the first ever benchmarking. And they will do that in uh, London, uh, Amsterdam and Berlin. So that will be the first. And we've lobbied our uh, competitors to participate. I think that's going to help a lot to create some uh, legitimacy of how the sector is performing. Uh, laws for hostels globally vary and different cities have different legislation. Uh, New York in particular here in Manhattan has some stringent legislation which prohibits the entry of new shared accommodation into uh, this market. But that doesn't mean we couldn't enter the periphery of New York. I, was, I spent last night in Brooklyn as an example, just a phenomenal uh, environment that's changed so tremendously in the last decade. Um, and then across the rest of the country, uh, there are no major issues that would stop us. So why hasn't it taken off? It's a beginning. You know, globally, 1% of hostels are branded. 1%. So it's basically white space everywhere. 
Do you think that much needs to be done in terms of cultivating a culture that appreciates the hostile experience in the U.S.? Do you, do you feel like you have like a tough road ahead or are you expecting that it'll be more um, people coming from cultures where there is a lot more common appreciation of hostels? Not really. The uh, fastest growing uh, national segment for us is the American youth. So when they stay in Berlin or London or Paris, we have a very, very strong representation of young Americans. So I don't see any issue there. I mean, it's, there's no doubt that uh, this is a nation where perhaps people are a bit more private and, and, and also because land values and houses are cheaper, you have a lot more space and you don't necessarily grow up like in Europe, you might grow up with a sibling and share a room. Uh, in America, you're more likely to have your own room, right? So there's perhaps some norms and, and uh, cultural issues, but nothing that I see that will have any impact on our success. What do you bring from the legacy hospitality sector, your background, um, that you think can assist Generator moving ahead? It's funny, it's a, as unsophisticated as many aspects of hostels are, it's a complex business. You're dealing with huge volumes of people. Uh, you're dealing with the psychology of people sharing and sleeping in a room together. Um, so there's a lot of psychology involved in how we manage our guests. I think the experience of our teams in terms of running uh, hostels, and they really are true hostel operators. Uh, is something that we'll bring with us and train, but uh, I don't think it's going to be very difficult to recruit great people here. Uh, it's, a, it's a very vibrant and evolving part of the hospitality industry. And I think, or I think I know we have tremendous interest, both from people who want to work with us and obviously guests who want to stay with us, but also investors who want to engage with us. You, you mentioned uh, that sometimes business travelers end up staying with you. Um, and I know that you've spoken actually to Greg in the past about big corporations using your sites for events and even, and even booking them for employees in some cases. Um, is there still, do you still see momentum in that direction? And is that something that you keep in mind increasingly when you look at, um, new markets or, you know, potential new properties? Absolutely. Um, we have some tremendous uh, social spaces that are not activated all the time. And there's huge demand for organizations, not necessarily corporations only. It could be uh, social groups and associations and different societies who basically want to come and, ex and, and, and have an event in something unusual. Uh, and there we really tick the box. Um, and then it tends to be people who would naturally fit into the, the service offering and product offering we have anyway, because they like the vibe, they like the music, they like the engagement, they like the food we have, and they like the service style we have. You're not going to get the traditional meeting with a lectern and a flip chart. Uh, if we have to, we might provide some of that stuff, but basically it's more uh, the creative industries. You've got the music industry, design industry, IT industry, uh, coming in and having uh, brainstorming sessions and team building sessions and uh, is not necessarily the bankers coming in for their annual convention, although we love them dearly. <laughs> so looking at your expansion into the U.S., you said that you, know, you foresee 50-50 um, 
ratio in terms of single rooms and multi-bedrooms. So is that something that as you expand into the U.S. you think will remain consistent where you'll have a high percentage of um, single bedrooms? I, this is the 50-50 the ratio is specific to Miami. Um, some other destinations we're looking at right now, I'll give you a hypothetical one. This is nothing concrete. But if we were to go to somewhere like New Orleans, I would say the ratio of shared would be much higher. That market is red hot and it's full of youth going. And I think the shared accommodation model will work very well. Um, so we would adjust it accordingly to the markets based on our own research. And we would maintain the flexibility to adjust as we go. But we do that even in Europe. I mean, in Amsterdam's now we're adding more beds because we have we we have we can increase our bed sales. So we're going from four bedded dorms to six bedded dorms in many of the rooms. Okay, and then last question: um, Looking ahead, how do you continue to innovate? You know, what are some of your ideas that are boiling in your head right now? And also, what keeps you up at night as the CEO of a major hospitality brand in 2016? Well, I think the uh, what keeps me up at night is new after joining Generator. And again, it's to do with the fact that the welfare of a huge number of young people. So, you know, we need to make that a really strong focus, and we do. It's ingrained in our operating philosophy. Um, as far as innovation is concerned, we need to stay very current with what's happening in music, art, culture, food, drinks. And we need to have a, very, have a very variable and flexible approach at bringing this to our guests. So our, there's nothing that stays constant at Generator. It's got to continue to evolve. Great. Frederick, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.